Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Easter Sunday, and Jesus is risen. I'm so excited to be able to join you to celebrate this incredible day upon which all of our faith hinges. And we've been in a series called Worth the Wait. We've been looking at very important events that happened during the Holy Week, or some would call it the Passion Week of the Christ. It all began when our journey took us into the upper room for a disturbing dinner. The next scene we encountered was a dramatic denial when Peter and all of the disciples denied Jesus. We followed that with a dreadful death, looking at the details of Jesus' death on the cross. But this morning on Easter Sunday, I want to talk about what it means to celebrate a dynamic deliverance that is worth the wait. Now, I want you to think about that. What event in your life have you been able to relive that is still exciting to you? It is worth the wait. Now, I'm showing you a picture from many, many years ago of my wedding day with Kay Annette Yoder. Kay and I got married in 1983. I was going to go ahead and do the math for you. That will be 40 years coming up in just a few weeks. And I can remember still like it was in the moment how I saw this beautiful young woman walking down the aisle. We had been dating a long time. We knew the day had been planned out. It was exciting. Friends and family had all arrived. And on the evening of our wedding, when the doors opened and Kay began to walk down the aisle, my breath was taken away, and I knew it would be worth the wait. And I can tell you, four decades later, I still believe that. Well, I have an opportunity this morning to talk to you about a worth-the-wait moment that is the best day in history. It is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. This dynamic deliverance that took Jesus from death to life actually contains three vital questions that I think we can ask and answer this morning that will demonstrate how important the resurrection of Jesus should be to all of us. So I want to go to Luke's gospel, and I want to begin by reading chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. 
They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Here's our first question. If we're going to understand this dynamic deliverance, what are we looking for? Now, let's, let's unpack the details. It's Sunday. This is the first day that any Jewish person could legally be active in their day-to-day roles or responsibilities. There are debates among scholars about the actual timeline of Jesus' death, but what is accepted and is traditionally talked about, really falls into this sentence. At a point in time on the third day. Let me say that to us again. At a point in time on the third day. Now this is important. Jesus rose from the grave. And the obstacle the followers of Jesus struggled with was not the minute-by-minute time frame of this three-day period. The greatest difficulty these men and women were wrestling with was the immense sorrow of a broken heart. To those who loved Jesus the most, he was dead. He was laying in a tomb. Now, it makes perfect sense that the women who had not been able to prepare spices and to properly followed their religious traditions, they had not been allowed when Jesus died and was placed in the tomb by Joseph, uh, in Joseph of Arimathea's uh, borrowed place to be buried. They had not been allowed to, to go to Jesus and enjoy, maybe that's not even the right word, and to mourn their ability to take care of this leader, this rabbi and teacher. So at sunrise, a company of the women on Sunday had prepared the spices and were carrying them together. When they reached the tomb, the stone was rolled away. That was the first shock that they encountered. But then suddenly, there were two men that gleamed in light. It was unexpected. They found that this stone had not only been rolled away, but that these men appeared to be waiting on them to tell them the great news that Jesus was, in fact, risen. I like, I like it, that, and I think it's appropriate that Luke emphasizes that there are two angels. Now, 
Don't get caught up in details. Matthew, in his gospel, talks about one angel. Luke tells two. We're present. This isn't a contradiction. It's just a focus of how they write. And I want to take you back for just a moment to, to the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Luke is the one who tells us that angels appeared to shepherds while they were watching their flocks by night. They were the ones who gave direction that the shepherds should go and see this baby that had been born in Bethlehem. Now, some 30 years later, based on academic assessments, Jesus was probably in his early 30s. And now, three decades later, it's exciting to see that, Je that Luke is talking about Jesus' resurrection. And again, angels are present. It's only natural that the women would bow in fear with their faces to the ground at the presence of two supernatural beings. Then unexpectedly, the angels asked the women this question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The angels begin to explain to the women. They encourage them to recall what Jesus had told them while they had been in Galilee. Now, I, I have to stop here because if somebody asks me to remember something from uh, two weeks ago, that's hard enough. But how do you remember something from a year ago or two years ago? But you see, Jesus had been trying to prepare his followers and empower them by faith to believe beyond what they could see. Statements like, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. It had made no real sense. This is the reason that the women went to the tomb looking for a dead body. They expected to see a dead Jesus. But instead, they found angels who told them, He is not here. He is risen. Jesus is alive. Oh, wow, here's our first dynamic deliverance question. What are we looking for? Have you ever noticed that you and I usually find whatever it is that we have decided we're looking for in this life? If we're going to find things that are wrong, we'll find things that are wrong. If we've already decided to have a mindset of negativity, we can't see the positive. If we're struggling in our faith, and we let our faith turn into a search for only what we can prove, then there's no hope of the miraculous. I'm reminded of the story of Charles Francis Adams. He was a politician in the 1800s, very well known. And he wrote in his diary... Went fishing today with my son. A day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, had also kept a diary. 
And this is what his son said. Went fishing with my father. The most wonderful day of my life. Oh, wow. What a difference. The dad thought it was a wasted day, but the son knew it was a great day because he was with his father. What about you and me? What we look for in this life is what we're prepared to find. On this day we call Easter, I just have a question. Are you, are you looking for a Savior that is a what? Now, now, this is where this comes from. The women were going to the tomb to find a what? A dead body. But it wasn't a what that they should have been looking for. It was a who. Who were they looking for? It was Jesus. You and I will discover the most thrilling, worth the wait, dynamic deliverance moment of our lives when we look for Jesus who is risen. Because God's word said if we seek him, we will find him. What are we looking for? Now we're ready to read Luke 24, 9 through 11. And this is an interesting turn of events in the story. When the women came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Here's our second question. What are we listening for? Now, our first question was, what are we looking for? But then, this, this is the perfect follow-up. What are we listening for? When the women leave the tomb, they're in a state of disbelief and confusion. It, it makes sense. So naturally, they went back to the 11 disciples. Remember, Judas isn't gone. He's gone. He's, he's not a part of this group now. They go back to the 11 and some others that are waiting. Now, this is the moment where Luke records some of the names of the women who went to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, as well as some others. Clearly... Now, this is, this is going to be very important. Clearly, there were enough viable witnesses to confirm the sighting of angels and a tomb that is empty of Jesus' body. How incredible it is that it's women that God chose to hear the news first of Jesus' resurrection. Women would have never been considered reliable witnesses in that day and time. But how dependable they actually were. And verse 11 shouts out loudly to us as we hear this next piece of the story. Did you catch what they said? But the, they, the disciples, did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. The word nonsense in the Greek literally comes from a meaning of 
idle tales. The only way the disciples could make sense of a story that made no sense was to call it nonsense. I get it. I understand. I raised three great kids. There were times when they would come to me and tell me a story, and I had to stop and scratch my head and think to myself, could that really be true? It sounds like nonsense because it makes no sense. I came across a story this week that was truly unforgettable. It's the story of a teenager at 17. Her name is Julianne Kopik. Now, I hope I've said that last name right. In 1971, this 17-year-old girl was on a flight that crashed over the Amazon rainforest in Peru after being hit by lightning. Are you ready for this? Strapped to her seat, she fell two miles to the earth and lived. Uh, some scientists think that the seats she was attached to, a couple on each side of her, helped to cushion the fall, as well as the canopy of the forest. And she fell. She broke her collarbone. She had a torn ligament. She had abrasions. But she lived. Now, her mother and father had been a part of a research group in the Amazon forest. And so they had taught Julianne some survival skills. Now, again, I know it sounds like nonsense, but she lived and she survived 10 days in the Amazon rainforest. She finally made her way to a hut where fishermen found her, fed her, took care of her wounds, and she was rescued even though all of the other 92 passengers had died. When she finally saw her father, he could barely talk in the first moments when they just held each other. She writes, my mother was gone, but I had survived. Isn't that crazy? It, it, it doesn't, even, doesn't even seem to, to make any sense to us at all. It's like nonsense. Well, what are we actually listening for? In fact, writer Pamela Meyer tells us that studies have shown that in any given day, are you ready for this? We're lied to in any given day 10 to 200 times. Well, what, what are we supposed to believe in a world where spin has become the norm? Where social media tells all kind of wild stories? The disciples couldn't make sense of the nonsense that the women were sharing. Was Jesus really alive? 
I want to read a quote to you from Chuck Colson. Many of you are younger. You may not immediately know the name, but he was a major part of the Watergate scandal during President Nixon's time. He actually went to prison, and when he came out, he accepted Jesus as his Savior, and he wrote this. I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed the truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie, and, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? I absolutely believe. Let me, let me just ask you again, what are we listening for? Are you and I trying to hear what we want to hear? Are we listening to the skeptical world around us shouting from all four corners of social media? Or are we listening to the only truth that will set us free? We're ready for the last verse and our final question. It comes from Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 12. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Here's our third question. What are we waiting for? If Jesus was raised from death to life, if this dynamic deliverance is true, then perhaps this is one of the most important key pieces in the story. Let's talk about the Apostle Peter. We know that Peter always spoke first before anyone else. We know that about him. We know from Scripture that Peter always shared what was in his heart, even if he stumbled over his feelings. And we know that Peter was a man of action. Just think about when he asked Jesus if he could come out of the boat and walk on the water with him. Now we're reading in this story that Peter made the decision. And it, and it appears that he didn't get any kind of consensus with the group. He just jumps up and runs to the tomb. The word run paints the picture of someone who is running a race course. They're expending all of their strength in order to achieve a goal. And Peter, without warning, runs to the tomb of Jesus. Now once he arrives, Scripture tells us that he bent over. It's, it's almost like a looking into the tomb. There he sees linen strips that have been set aside. Now I have a couple of questions. If it was grave robbers, 
Why didn't they just throw the linens off to the side in a pile to be in a hurry? If it was the disciples or someone trying to fool others into believing that Jesus was alive, but he really wasn't, then why would you not just take the whole body, including the linen wraps around him? Instead, the linens are set aside. They're not just thrown into a wild heap. And Peter begins to to wonder. The word actually means to marvel or to have admiration for something. Peter left the tomb wondering. Peter began to even think it, it, it is possible that Jesus is alive. I want to share with you five undeniable facts about the resurrection of Jesus. Here's the first fact that I want us to wrap our minds around. And please don't think that any of these facts are actually too simplistic. First, Jesus was a real person. Josephus was a Jewish historian born in Jerusalem four years after the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth in the same city. His non-biblical, non-Christian references prove conclusively that Jesus' actual historical existence was real. Here's the next fact. Everyone knew people died. Now, I know you're laughing. It's Easter. Everybody needed a good laugh. Everyone knew people died. But the point I'm making that makes the resurrection so real is that in that day and age, without all of the technology... Without all of the the science, people still were not thinking that there was some kind of uh, resurrections going on. There weren't other sects or, or even cults that were proposing resurrection. As shocking as this can be to us, it was to them. Everyone knew people died. Here's the third insight. Women were the first eyewitnesses. All four Gospels in very different accounts agree that the women were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Now, by the late 50s A.D., the women were being airbrushed out of the story. Why? Because women weren't credible witnesses in a court of law. If you want to make the story of the resurrection believable in that day, women would not be the first eyewitnesses unless it was true. Here's our fourth resurrection fact. People witnessed Jesus' resurrection firsthand. Let me read 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6. Paul the apostle writes, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, 
and that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Did you hear that? Most of who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Now listen to this. Paul wrote this in a letter to the Corinthians some and only 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. So he tells us many of these people who literally saw Jesus are still living. Jesus' resurrection was known to others besides the women and the disciples. And this leads me to the last fact. This is an undeniable fact about the resurrection of Jesus. The church grew and is still alive today. I love this quote from biblical scholar N.T. Wright. Christianity began as resurrection movement. There is no evidence for a form of early Christianity in which the resurrection was not a central belief, as it were, bolted onto Christianity at the edge. It was the central driving force in forming the whole movement. We're here, folks. We're still here. And it's time to make a choice. Will we believe that Jesus has risen from the dead? And if he is, then we must allow Jesus to enter into our hearts and transform our lives. It's worth the wait. It's beautiful. Even in Luke 24, later in the chapter, verse 36, we're even told how a company of the followers of Jesus, disciples, two disciples from the road to Emmaus, uh, I'm assuming the women were there, and Jesus walks in to the room. He just simply appears, and he says to everyone, peace be with you. What are we waiting for? The dramatic deliverance from death to light shouts to us through time that Jesus is alive. There's no greater worth the wait moment than this moment right now. It's the moment when you and I realize for ourselves that Jesus is alive. It's exciting to be able to celebrate Easter. But the greatest celebration of Easter is the moment when you and I accept the dynamic deliverance of Jesus for ourselves and ask him to be our Savior. If you've done that, you'll agree with me, it is worth the wait. And if you need to, there's no better time than right now. Let's close our eyes together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this is Easter and we're celebrating. God, it's exciting to be together. And Father God, I pray right now that any person who needs Jesus as his or her Savior would simply just stop right now and say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Save me 
and come and live in my heart forever. Father God, I pray that we would be able to celebrate you. And right now, God, we're celebrating with you because Jesus is alive. Help us to live like every day is Easter. And may we give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great day. Thank you so much for spending time with us here at Bridgewater Church. My prayer is that you will have an incredible celebration. And remember, Jesus is alive. He is risen. And he is worth the wait. I love you. And until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ. Thank you.